Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 276 of the Spoiler Alert podcast brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny. And tonight we're discussing the new Martin Scorsese epic, The Irish Man. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mike. Uh, how about yourself? I'm, I'm doing fantastic. You know, the way you pronounce that really, really reinforces how important pronunciation is in understanding what the hell anyone's talking about, right? You watched this on Netflix, I presume. You didn't. You didn't get the chance to see it on a big screen. I did not get the chance to, which is unfortunate because it was showing at Flix here in Madison, but I didn't get there. And was it really? It was, and 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 Nikki the Bulls told me it was killing it there for them. It was crushing at Flix, which I think is great that people were rushing out to see it theatrically wow. because that's a long movie to sit through theatrically, but I did, in fact, watch it on Netflix sure. this weekend. Yeah. The way it was meant to be watched, just like Roma. <laughs> did uh, did Nikki the Bulls uh, put a intermission in this film? I don't know. That's a great question for him. We'll have to get him on the pod soon and uh, ask him about that. I don't know. I think okay. this movie would probably... I mean, the length, the runtime would warrant one. I couldn't think of a perfect point in the film where I would say, insert intermission here... Like The Godfather Part 2, where you can obviously figure out where it should go. I don't know either. I'm not sure where you'd, where you'd really take that pause. Um, but one last question before we get into this. Did you watch it on a television, or did you watch it on your phone, like streaming over your data network, like while in line at the grocery <laughs> store, and running some errands, like your wife was driving, but you were in the car, kind of half paying attention? We're going to go straight in between. I really wanted to watch it on my television, but Netflix streaming stopped on the Sony Blu-ray players, which is really, really unfortunate. Uh, I did not do it on my phone, but I did it on my iPad. So I watched the entire three and a half hour movie on my iPad uh, throughout the afternoon today. I think I watched it in three sittings. Wow. Yeah. When Martin Scorsese hears our episodes, and he will because he's a huge listener and longtime friend of the show, he's that's just got to kill him, right? I mean, this whole Netflix experiment, and yes, they gave him the money and the budget and the freedom and the time to put this together. He was right. untethered from box office expectations, but but he's really got to be pissed off because he's losing so much control here, right? I mean, for someone of his stature in the film industry and so uh passionate about film preservation and the cinematic experience and even using film for him to have people experience his new film in little chunks here and there with all these different technical limitations right right it's gotta just eat him up inside Especially since he reached out to a lot of uh, new um, acting talent that he hasn't worked with before, like this is this was a a whole new experiment for him. Like that that would break his heart. Yeah. Well, well, all right. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Why don't you get us a plot rec, plot recap of the Irishman, right. and we'll talk about the cast. So this movie is another Martin Scorsese crime drama, and this one is epic. Like Goodfellas is long. Casino is long. This is long times another point five, And so we're going to keep the plot recap <laughs> to 12 seconds right here, okay? 
This is the story of Frank Sheeran, played by Robert De Niro, who's a mafia hitman uh, since the 1950s, who played a significant role in the death of Union President Jimmy Hoffa, and he works to reconcile his life with his family and with God. And that's the Irishman. All right. Well, what did you what did you think of the Irishman? What did you think? Of I the loved movie? this movie. I thought it was oh. fantastic. Kudos to Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese. He did a great job with this one. How about you? Martin Scorsese has done it again. Uh, I really liked it. I really did. This is one of those movies. Um, you know, I love Goodfellas. I really like Casino. And from the first. 10 seconds of this movie, I was immediately sort of transported and just, it was like putting on the sure. like the best pair of jeans you've ever owned or your most comfortable clothes yeah. or just like comes right back and you're like, dang, I like the way this feels. The music's kicking, the voiceover from De Niro, the tracking shot through the, uh, it starts like the old folks home. I was there. I loved it. I feel like that's a, a great way to start this episode because I was instantly thinking like, well, what else does this guy do? This is, this is his thing. This is his jam. This is uh, your, your best pair of jeans, Martin Scorsese movie. And then I thought about how much I loved Hugo not long ago. And I thought about The Last Waltz, which sure. is a movie that I love. And, you know, sure. even The Departed was a little bit of a departure from yep. this formula. It was it was different than Very different. this yep. sort of, th- this thematic trilogy. And I was just really all of a sudden more appreciative of, oh, it's, it's really nice to put on this really comfortable sweater again and, and enjoy Martin Scorsese at his absolute Scorsese-est. Yeah, you know, I'm always happy to sit down and revisit Goodfellas. I can sit down and watch Casino and just enjoy it except for... James Woods and most of Sharon Stone. But still, I really enjoyed the movie. But this one, it was like, what's old is new again, and it was new. You know, I got like the thrill of seeing a new Martin Scorsese jam, which is just, it gets like a total movie gift. And I yeah. really enjoyed it. I think there's a lot to like here. It it did feel a little almost experimentational with that last half hour, which I want to get into with you, but yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. Let's just stop real quick and, and talk briefly about this cast. I mean, you made the joke earlier that this is a, a bunch of up and coming talent that Scorsese has never worked with, but I mean, you check a box and they're here, right? I mean, from, yeah. from De Niro and Pesci, and then you add um, Al Pacino to this one, you got Harvey Keitel. I mean, on and on and on. It's just a killer cast. It's an amazing cast, and of course, lots to be said about the reverse aging, which is something that we've kind of creeped out about in yeah. previous movies, like especially the Marvel universe, where yep. you know they de-aged um, Iron Man, right? Like they de-aged yep. uh, and Robert Downey Jr. Douglas, yep. And then we were kind of okay with it in the Guardians of the Galaxy with Kurt Russell, uh, but I feel like here it looked really natural and almost eerily perfect the way that they did it this time like see that's interesting what what do you think well so i maybe this comes a little bit back to how we saw it because i saw it on a big tv but it was a large tv and i thought de niro's eyes looked really weird the whole movie i thought they looked snake like or something Mm. like i just okay i really struggled because his eyes looked fake in any scene where he'd been de-aged um so I just, but 
here's the thing, at least from my point of view, I can I'm totally fine suspending disbelief and saying this is like a 76 year old man playing a 35 or 40 year old man. That's fine with me. You know, it's like going to the theater. If De Niro put on makeup today and walked out on stage and was playing a young version of himself, the makeup's not going to look perfect, but roll with it. That's what the, that's what the story needs. So like anyone who's so hung up on the fact that like, this isn't 1000% photo real. I've seen young De Niro and that's not what he looked like. It's like, come on, let's just move on. Yeah. I I equate it a little bit. Um, There's a movie coming out on Christmas, the the musical adaptation of the, the film cats. And one of the actresses who's playing one of the cats is a person of color and her character is a white cat. And there's already an online uproar around, is she being whitewashed? And are we using this technology to erase her ethnicity? And even the actress had to say, guys, my character is a white cat. It's a cat. Like, let's not make any more of it. So it's like people just get so crazy about this. But I know, I I know I I was really impressed with the technology. I really think, you know, it had that few moments of kind of weirdness. And then the the eyes just didn't land for me. But I was totally fine with that. Joe Pesci has fallen on black days. What? Uh, This man, this man is in severe trouble. Look wise. He, he, He like. Remember when was it Patricia Arquette that you had that you had just just destroyed from Boyhood and how bad she looked? No, Joe, Joe Pesci is is the, the equivalent today. Yes. No, in fact, I want to just go right on the record, right up front in this episode, and say I think Joe Pesci is probably the best thing about this movie. I think his performance was—he's oh, fantastic, absolutely in it. Yes. the best performance he's yes. given. He was. Tremendous. He was so quiet. He was still very scary. He was very powerful, but so unlike your standard Joe Pesci casino Goodfellas performance. Like he flies in the face of every choice he's made in the past, and I loved it. And he does. He did look a little melted by the end. I mean, when he's playing the old, old, old version of his character. But I think he was fantastic. I think I think that he was tremendous. Uh, an Oscar winner for Goodfellas, uh, should have won an Oscar for Home Alone too. Uh, but I would say this is his best performance since since then. Yeah, yeah. And now the people are already, of course, talking about this film's Oscar chances. I think he's got the best chance, or he should. He and uh, Thelma, the the editor, who's been Scorsese's editor for forty plus years. She kills it again. I mean, the editing is great. The The music uh, cues are all right on the money. This movie's awesome. I think that one of the best edited scenes is uh, how she nailed the scene where uh, Robert De Niro is talking about how somebody's a little concerned. And when somebody says you're a little concerned, it means you're a lot concerned. If somebody says you're really yes. concerned, it means you're, you're, you're like your pants yeah, and yes. the the whole editing of that scene was just a tremendous effort but yet i always laugh at her and martin scorsese's relationship and the fact that every movie she's edited for him is four hours long like i mean wolf of wall street like yeah. the, the goodfellas casino it's like do you, you it's hard to get an editing oscar when the movie you've edited 
is three plus hours. Well, but like, you don't that's know. Marty really might tricky. give her ten hours of amazing footage. I mean, editing it way down. I so I think she did a fantastic job, and uh, you know the editing of this this picture is just something else. You mentioned the voiceover because uh, it was a great bit. This movie. I can't remember if any other Scorsese film has done this. The voiceover is one of his standard tools, but this one actually has some fourth right. wall breaking where you actually see De Niro's character, like, I guess, in the present, telling the story. And I actually really liked that right. as well as, like, a new tool in the tool bag. It seems perhaps. sort of documentary style. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I like that. I think they did that in Wolf of Wall Street quite a bit, too, but it wasn't oh, meant right. to be maybe documentary right. style. It was just it was just straight fourth wall breaking. Yeah. Here... Here, here's another thing that I'm always blown away about with Robert De Niro. I sort of feel like the mark of a good actor or actress is how well they can handle their appearances on Saturday Night Live. And I think he <laughs> sucks on Saturday Night Live. I think that he <laughs> okay. just tanks every single time. Like, even when he was playing, like, Robert Mueller in a, in a handful, like, in the over the last year and a half of just a little bit skits that he did sure i just think he's horrible this was the most impressed i've ever been with him as an actor in a really long time i think that this was my favorite robert de niro performance in 20 years yeah i think that's fair he has not been making great choices um and actually i want to talk about al pacino because i think he's even more guilty of the same but one thing I will give you, I agree that I don't think De Niro is funny. He's not ha-ha funny, and he's done a lot of comedies. And so, other than Midnight Run, I can't think of... And I, he was funny in the original Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents, yes. He was great in that, but, yes. But, you know, yeah. he did some sequels to that, and they sucked. And he's done some other comedies that just sucked. But... This movie gives him a lot of opportunities, and not just him, just the way Steve Zalian wrote the script and that Scorsese uh, filmed and, and directed the shot, where you get this voiceover and it's very funny. Or, you know, there's just these sequences in this movie that were laugh out loud funny. And I think this is the kind of movie where De Niro's humor can come out or his dry, like, ironic. Sure. Uh, delivery of a line juxtaposed with what's happening on screen is very silly, but to get him on Saturday Night Live is normally a a, a pretty disappointing affair. I it's agree. a dud. Yeah, <laughs> a dud. yeah, and I think I think that I think that the sequels to to the the Meet the Parents, and I think like analyze this and analyze that. Yeah. He was Ooh. only so so. Like yeah, I, I I feel like this is the kind of room where he can really shine and i mean he was in damn near every scene i mean he was carrying yes. this film which I, I i think was amazing so i agree that this is one of his best performances in decades i agree that he has not made a lot of great choices but we got to talk about pacino because he has been terrible for so long and i felt like he was not good in this movie either and i feel like all the guy does is shout I feel like I don't know where what happened to Pacino. Like you get this performance in this movie from <laughs> Joe Pesci and it's so quiet and so lethal. And it's sort of like that's the way Pacino was in Godfather 2. And almost everything since has yes. just been louder and bigger and broader. And but he's still revered. I just don't get it. 
Yeah. Including Godfather Part 3. Like, what 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 changed about Michael Corleone in between The Godfather Part 2 and The Godfather Part 3 that made him just want to right. scream the whole time? Yeah. The whole yeah, time. Like, just, I, I mean, just that, yell. from the opening moment of this movie was so wonderful. It did feel like Martin Scorsese wrapping a warm blanket around right. you. When you hear in the still of the night and it's a steady cam shot, like, down down a hallway it's just like oh oh he's doing it again like he gets me every time it, it was wonderful you know, i i was watching it uh actually with my dad and there's a a shot i think it's when de niro goes to meet jimmy hoffa or they're on a trip together maybe in florida or something and all it was was a shot of a hotel entrance like the carport, the valet area, and then the camera moves up on the hotel. And I can't remember what song is playing, but I just thought the way that Martin Scorsese moves the camera and uses music, this shot is so electric. I'm so excited. I'm dialed into what's happening. And it's like all it is is a shot of a hotel. Yeah. Like what is yeah. he doing that that no one else seems to be able to do the way he can do it? I don't get it. I know it. I, I got to tell you, though, th- this movie, there, is, like I said, there's some hilarious parts in this movie. And I feel like the scene where the two guys are arguing over is 10 minutes too late or is 15 minutes too late. <laughs> and and like it's going to come to it's like the college, yeah. the college scene. Yeah. Like, when, how long do you need to wait for a professor? Right. I feel like yeah. it's like someone's going to shoot someone yeah. or stab somebody over a difference of five <laughs> minutes and the disrespect that that additional five minutes conveys. That's going to go down as like one of the best little interchanges in, in years. I thought that one of the funniest gags that recurred a few times throughout the movie is um, who's the character that they can't. They can't determine if his ears are too big or, or too small. Like uh, the the character whose, whose oh, ears Hunt. are abnormally sized. Okay, so like, that that was wonderful too. Like like it it comes up like at least three times, and I liked that too. Like, are you looking at my ears? Are like what what's wrong yeah. with my ears? I thought that was great too. Yeah, yeah. Like and it just actually it, that the it, first it time you, you it kept you pulled in. Yeah, the first time you meet Howard Hunt, of course, is. Uh, Frank Sheeran, De Niro's character, just drove uh, some some stuff or a truck full of materials and delivered it to Howard Hunt, who worked for the Nixon White House eventually. But he picks up those same weapons that are put in that truck from a character named David Ferries, who Joe Pesci played in JFK back in 1993. And so I thought that Got was it. kind of an interesting, oh, okay. like, oh, here's another take on David Ferry, which, you know, you had Joe Pesci playing... And now he's in this other movie with Joe Pesci. I, so I could go on and on about the things I liked about the movie. I really did enjoy it. I liked the performances. I'm cool with the, the digital de-aging. But can we talk briefly about the last half hour? How did you feel about the last 30 minutes of this movie? I loved the last 30 minutes of this movie. That's what made me love this movie the most. It was haunting and disturbing and sad to me. It was really difficult to think of a man coming to terms with everything that he's done wrong and then like outwardly trying to pretend that he hadn't and 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 when and when he's answering the priest and saying you know well no I don't really feel bad about the things that I've done I don't believe him and I think that it is just a really gut-wrenching 
last 30 minutes. Like when you're picking out your casket, when you're picking out your crypt, when you're picking out all of these things, you're you're meeting your maker and I don't believe for a second that he's actually feeling okay about the life that he lived and that's really really upsetting to me. Uh so I wholeheartedly agree. Um I enjoyed those last minutes, but I've been thinking a lot about them because they were so quiet and slow. And if you think about Goodfellas and those last 30 minutes of Goodfellas, you know, it's Ray Liotta on that last day before he gets arrested and he's got to pick up the the babysitter who's got the drugs from the airport and he's got to get back and make the sauce and then he's got to sell some guns and he's he's just moving all over the place and it's like this absolute frenetic sprint to the finish and this one it feels like everything happens and then that last half hour is just this slow dribble of a movie like it just winds down i mean even to the point where the fbi comes to see him and he says, I got to refer you to my they attorney. Don't really care. And they're like, your attorney's <laughs> yeah, yeah. dead. Everyone's dead. <laughs> like, you've outlived everybody. Like, there's not even a conspiracy left to defend here. It's just your last man standing. And it's just a really depressing, quiet, haunting. It was it was haunting yeah. and very difficult. And, like, that final line where he just wants them to leave the, the bedroom door open. I'm like, please let this be the last line. This will be such an... A gut-wrenching way to end his yeah. sad story of a life. And I liked that. Including his sad story of a life, I hated the Anna Paquin character. Oh. Why was she in here? I mean, she just took up 10 minutes of time that didn't need to be on screen. See, and I... People, of course, of course there's already online uproar. You'll be shocked to learn that... There aren't many people in co- of color in this film. There aren't many women who have anything of material to add to the story. And then here you've got Oscar winner Anna Paquin, who doesn't say a word in the whole movie. And yeah, I I feel well, like she won she, an Oscar when she, she was played like six. An important role because I feel like De Niro's character, well, maybe not okay with what he was doing the whole time uh, as a hitman, or you know, after he killed Hoffa, to see it the look in his own daughter's eyes and her just, she sees him and she gets him and she, she just doesn't say anything about it. It's like, it's worse. It's worse than if she screamed and and shouted at him and threw stuff at him. It's worse. You're like, it's just, it's like worse than a reflection. You know, it's, so I feel like she's absolutely like the, she hurts him more than any other character could without saying a word. She's the moral compass of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I wish she had some more to do. I mean, I, I feel like you can make the argument she's she doesn't get a lot to do, but I feel like her impact on his character is very deep and it's very lasting to the point where in those last 30 minutes, you know, he's on his little crutches waiting in line at the bank so he can go get just a just a minute with his daughter, even in like at her workplace, just to say something. And when she just walks away, it's like just another turn of the knife. Puts up the see the next teller sign. That was that was rough. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. she's not giving him any closure. You know, he sees the priest. He does all these sort of things. He's kind of like making peace with, as best he can. But she's not going to give him the satisfaction. She's not going to allow him to either try and lie and justify what he did or to outright 
be contrite, you know, like she's just not right. going to give right. him reconciliation. Like she will not allow him to have that. And I feel like uh, that's an important thing to have and to have it withheld is really heart wrenching. Okay. All right. All right. I think that's a great point. You know, the, the only things that I didn't like about this movie, one is I was not a huge fan of Pacino's acting. And again, I think that's just more frustration because I've seen him do amazing work. And I just felt like this was a lot of more of what we've gotten for the last 20 years from Pacino. And I felt like Harvey Keitel was kind of wasted. Um, you know, there are a couple other actors who I felt like I would have loved more of them. And we're already at three and a half okay. hours. Just make it a solid four hours and give me an extra half hour with some great, sure. okay. some great All scenes. Right. Uh, but okay. no, I, I really enjoyed just about everything about this movie. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with how Robert De Niro can only drive a steering wheel the same way? Like when when he was driving the car, I could only think of him and meet the parents where he's wearing like the leather driving gloves. Sure. And that that dude handles a steering wheel the same way. He is He's become totally typecast as an old man steering wheel driver. Well, given that he's a lifelong New Yorker, I wonder if he even knows how to drive. Probably not. I wonder if he just just knows how to movie drive. (laughs) It's Shannon 2 and you just constantly just turn the wheel. He just flies to Los Angeles and doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah, yeah, probably. I'm sure he has a driver, right? I mean, like, you don't just like drive down Sunset Boulevard and there's Robert De Niro driving (laughs) next to you, right? I mean, I presume. (laughs) What's up with Jimmy Hoffa's constantly wearing white socks? He wears white socks yeah, with a suit. Yeah, with, with he black wears, dress pants. Yeah, he wears a I think, white Are those socks crew everywhere. socks? Yeah. <laughs> right, what, what's up with this guy? What, what's up with this scene where Robert De Niro is siphoning gas? And, like, I, oh. I mean, we've all had to do that at a point, but, like, we have the little pump that you use, right? Like, you don't actually need to suck out the gas. Like, I need to get gas out of, like, the... The, the lawnmower at the end of the season or the, the snowblower at the end of the season. You got a little tool to do that. He's like sucking oh. it out. And then like, of course, gas gets in his mouth and he has to spit it out. I filled up my car with gas earlier today. I got a drop of gas on my hand. I haven't stopped being able to smell it for the last two hours. So <laughs> like how this man could have like a mouthful of gasoline and ever be able to carry on a conversation with another human being, I don't understand. It was gas from the fifties. They made it differently back then. <laughs> it was it was mostly water. Was yeah. Like, okay. P.S. Fine. I've never siphoned gas out of anything. I live in really? Wisconsin. Not out of a you just run your like gas. That? You run your lawnmower or your snowblower until the gas is well, gone. Well, I guess That's if you're a you. fat cat banker and you can afford to just waste <laughs> gas all the time, <laughs> that's the way you do it. I I siphon it into a can. All right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> what's what's up with the violence in this movie? Um, I feel like in a lot of Scorsese's movies, the violence is is operatic and it's it's um, suspenseful and it's it's visceral. And in this movie, it's much more cut and dry. It's like a guy taking the garbage out. You know, you get the voiceover about which gun to use or how you get right. rid of the gun. And then when he actually shoot walks up and shoots somebody in the head three or four times, it's the most like blase, 
yeah, immaterial yeah. thing. It was very different uh, from a violence standpoint. I think we've talked about this at least once. And the last time it might have been that that uh, Michael Keaton movie where he was Ray Kroc. The founder. Like, what's, what's up with there just always being a, in the 50s and the 60s, there always being a table where there was alcohol on it and a bucket of ice. <laughs> and we got it again this yeah. time. And I just think that's hilarious. Like, just anytime you walk into a room, you like, you put ice into a glass and pour booze into the cup. It's like, that's a really weird concept to me. Like, oh, like it's, just it's a great time four to be in the alive. afternoon, you've come, you've come home from work. That's really odd. Yeah, man. They were living back then. They were, they were, yes. It was awesome. Uh, Mike, are you ready for five questions regarding the Irishman? I am ready. Okay. Yes, let's do Listener it. Listener submitted questions. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. Question number one, uh, and you'll see a theme here with what people are interested in. Um, okay. Question number one, an upcoming film called Finding Jack has plans to have a character played by a CGI version of the long-dead actor James Dean. Now, some controversy has arisen about this, with some calling for an end to this use of CGI technology and allowing stars of the past to lay at rest. How do you feel about this? I think that that's a little odd. I I guess... I guess de-aging a character played by an actor who is still alive and had some sort of creative input into the film is one thing. I feel like creating a movie like could james dean win an oscar for this movie like that i don't know that i think that that's taking it a a little bit too far i think it's a bridge too far okay question number two this technology has uh led to the creation i don't know if it's this technology but similar technology has led to the creation of so-called deep fake videos how can any of us trust what we see or hear ever again? And how can a lawful society prosper when the very nature of objective truth or fact is in question? We can't. Okay. By deep fake, are, are, are we talking about like the thing where they turn Bill Hader into Tom Cruise, like by like yes. slowly morphing his face? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I agree. Like we, we can't trust anything ever again. This is how elections get won and lost now. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, question number three, This the use of this, pi- again, another technology question. The use of this pioneering technology allowed 70-plus-year-old men to play much younger versions of themselves. Where is the accompanying outrage that younger actors were denied jobs over this film? I, I think this person is equating the, hey, if a, a straight actor plays a... Sure. A uh, gay character now, we get upset because gay actors should have played that. Right. So where's right. the outrage that, hey, we're all the young bucks who could have played the young De Niro losing the yeah. opportunity? This one, this one's a little bit tough for me because I feel like Scorsese's worked with the same guys forever. Like, like he'll be the one that once they're deceased will have them CGI'd into a James Dean role, right? Like, okay. that's, that's, that's his thing. This, this is his cast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question number four: Where do you think this film will figure into Martin Scorsese's filmography? I loved this movie, and I would, God, I and I was trying to think too. Like, I, I remember I, I was again trying to think like what were the last Martin Scorsese movies I I saw, and then I remembered Silence. Like, did you even see Silence? I started did, it. Did, it was really rough. I mean, we, we didn't podcast that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Like. He's had so many, and I love Hugo. I mean, that's one of my favorite movies of the last 20 years. 
But as far as a Scorsese movie goes, like, I'd put this right up there with The Departed. I loved oh. it. Okay. And so you'd put The Departed, like, ahead so, of Goodfellas. So, can we say top ten? And Raging Bull Good. and Taxi is Driver. That, is that a fair okay. answer? Fair, fair. Yeah, top yeah. Top. I'd, sure. I'd say top ten. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, question number five. Scorsese and Coppola seem to have defined the mobster movie for most film fans or cinemaphiles. Why have the two of them been so successful with this genre where other filmmakers have struggled to hit the same nerve? I don't know. I mean, I guess you, you know it. When you've got it, you've got it. And I, and I don't, I can't even answer that because I think that, that Martin Scorsese has such a diverse filmography that, I mean, of course he's known for these, and of course those are his early films, and it's what he won an Oscar for for The Departed. But again, like, I think Hugo is one of his best movies ever, and I love that. I think The Last Waltz is one of the greatest documentaries ever made, and I don't know. Why why does he hit it? I don't know. Fair enough. All right, well, that was five questions. Well, I don't know that we need any final thoughts. We both really enjoyed the film. I loved it. I watched it with my kids. Claire and Christian both (laughs) loved it. They thought that it was fantastic. I think that this is one you could recommend for everybody in your family. There's no way that anybody could deny that this is the greatest movie ever. Okay. Well, with all the holiday parties coming up, this is one of those ones you just want to tuck the kids in with. (laughs) <laughs> While the parents are in the other room talking. So feel free to Watch just let them Watch it with your wrong. mom right, right after Wolf of Wall Street. Yes. Right. Yeah. Back right. to back. Yeah. That's a great one. Well, it's great. <laughs> uh, we really enjoyed it. And coming up next, we've got Ryan Johnson's uh, Murder Mystery Whodunit, Knives Out, starring Daniel Craig. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.